Boston Science Podcast, hosted by USA National Team Head Coach Aaron Comesti and SNS Barbell Owner and Coach Joe Cristando. In this podcast, we go over various powerful topics in detail and use real-life examples to help you better understand Welcome everyone to episode number 14. I am Coach Arian. I will be hosting this episode. We don't have uh, Coach Joey Canoli with us today as he's busy, but I am welcomed by Coach Jacob Lynch. Thanks for having me today. It's a pleasure. Yeah, so today we're going to be talking about game day mental strategies for athletes, um, specifically for powerlifting, but these concepts can be used for other sports. Before we get started, though, we're going to talk about what we had going on recently, which was the Arnold Sports Festival. A little bit different this year with the coronavirus. They cut down on the expo, uh, cut down on the spectators, but the athletes were still able to compete. So I had four of my athletes compete, and I handled uh, one athlete coached by someone else. So on Friday was the Battle of the Regions, and I had Kate Mendel compete in the morning session. She hit a two and a half kilo PR on squat, two and a half kilo PR on deadlift, and a five kilo PR on her total. The bench wasn't there. She's dealing with some injuries, and she's actually went into the doctor yesterday about getting a surgery on the the shoulder. So hopefully we can rebuild and get a bench PR for her in the future. Then I handled Albert Willingham, also known as AJ Willingham. He's coached by David Wilson. Um, but I handled him for the meet. It was his first time competing as a 105, so it was a nice experience for him learning how to cut down, make that new weight class, and see where his base level strength is at. And he's hoping to now build on that weight class, get into the prime time for Raw Nationals, and uh, become more competitive in that 105 kilo class. Then on Saturday, I had two lifters competing. Um, first one was Emma Eif in the pro in the sorry in the a7 raw challenge uh, at raw nationals we did good on the squat and bench but we did bad on the deadlift and then this time i don't know we did bad on the squat and bench and did good on the deadlift so we're hoping that next meet we'll be able to put everything together but she had a huge pr on her deadlift which helped uh, give her a two and a half kilo pr on her total so overall still a good experience for her she won the 52 kilo class and we'll see if we can put all three together in the future and then we had Jonathan Garcia competing uh, for our men in the 66 kilo class. He had a really good day, um, pretty much as good of a day as it can get. Hit the American record on the squat to 63.5 kilos. Hit the American record on bench 171 kilos. We missed 175 on the third attempt. They said his butt came up, but the weight was easy. So we're gonna have to work on just getting his leg drive down and not having his butt come up. And then on deadlift. We, on the second deadlift, secured first place for the prize money, $1,000 they gave out for the Raw Challenge uh, for the first place in the lightweight men. And that also secured, uh, I believe, like 11 and a half kilo total PR for him. On the third, he just uh, had grip issues, couldn't lock it out. So we're gonna work on the, uh, the grip. We've been trying to work on switching to hook grip so he can uh, hold on to his heavier weights and see if we can kind of uh, break the 1,500 pound barrier and then eventually the 700 kilo uh, barrier. It's awesome. Yeah, it, it was pretty much, it was great um, breaking the American record squat and bench. So it was almost that perfect day. If uh, we could have gotten that third deadlift in, I think that, that would have considered that a perfect day for him. But still, as good as it can get, hitting those PRs on squat, bench, total, and coming away with $1,000, um, a good time for him. 
And then on um, Sunday, I had final lifter Sarah Brenner and that uh, that pro American by uh, SPD. So she hit a two and a half kilo PR on squat, looked pretty easy, more in the tank, but we're really saving it for the deadlift. And then she hit a two and a half kilo PR on bench, which was uh, more than we expected. Um, how fast it moved for some reason her bench showed up that day So we're gonna go back and take a look at the training block and see Basically uh, what we did for the bench to have it go so well and see if we can repeat that and then for deadlift was what we we're really there for was that deadlift world record see if we can bump it as high as possible So we just chipped it by half a kilo on the second attempt uh, 258 and she got that one two to one so that was a new world record Then we want to see how much more we can bump it up to set as high as possible so no one else can get it so we ended up trying 264 kilos, which is about 582 pounds, because she really wanted to do 580. And that extra on there was to, she was currently in second place on the points, and that would get her into first place for the bigger check. Um, she got it past her knees, and she was locking it out. I can kind of see it slipping on her in her left hand, so she just couldn't quite lock it out. So we didn't get uh, the first place check, which was $1,500. We ended up getting the uh, $750, and then she ended up just chipping the world record, which is still pretty great. He chipped yeah, the world absolutely. record, um, but it wasn't as high as she wanted to do it. But we still got PR squat, PR bench, and PR total. Um, so another good day for one of our lifters there. Um, that was pretty much it. Five lifters, four of them my coach, one of them that I was handling. Uh, pretty easy. Uh, Arnold's much easier to run nationals when you have like 12 or 15 lifters going on multiple platforms. Um, so it was pretty good for us a weekend. Um, so we're going to move on now into our topic for the episode. So before we get into that, this is basically our introduction of Jacob as well. So I want to give a little background on Jacob uh, and then go into the topic that we have actually so jacob if you want to tell us a little bit where you're from how old you are sure absolutely so uh hi everybody i'm jacob <laughs> i was born and raised uh in new york um spent a little bit of my childhood in the bronx but spent most of my life in queens um where i still reside um i'm currently 24 i turned 25 march 25th Ah, just became an open lifter and a yeah. longer junior. <laughs> yeah, and I, I, I've been lifting as an open lifter in the USAPL. I started in 2018, um, did my first meet at uh, Northeast Iron Beast, um, and I came in second overall, 74 weight class, qualified for nationals that same year. Um, ended up going uh, missing weight, which is a funny little story behind that. But I think I'm sure we could get to that in another episode. Um, but ended up competing as an 83, doing doing well overall for my first nationals. Um, ended up taking a year off, um, and I did a meet in January and qualified again for nationals. So I'm looking forward to um, nationals this year and doing the very best that I can. But as far as uh, my athletic background goes, I was a baseball player for most of my childhood. I started playing baseball at three years old, did t-ball up until about, I would say about five or six, um, played high school ball. I opted out of college baseball for college rugby instead which was an interesting switch. I would say, you know, not only from an athletic standpoint, um, but from uh, a, men a mental standpoint as well. You're, we're going from a fairly non-contact sport to an all-out contact, contact sport <laughs> yeah. with no protection other than a mouth guard. Um, so I, I really had a great time with that. As far as coaching goes, um, I, I can honestly say I've been coaching my whole life, um, only powerlifting for about three or four years now. Um, but I was coaching t-ball after I 
had graduated from uh, high school. Um, so I was coaching kids age three and up um, in the basic fundamentals of you know how to swing a bat, how to throw a ball, how to field a ground ball, how to run the bases. Um, and then situationally for those who were old enough to understand the full concepts of the sport. Um, so I started to really develop uh, different languages, not only for different people, but for different age groups as well. Yeah. Um, and, and then coaching kids, for anybody that does it, whoever's listening, um, you understand that is, that is a very difficult and nuanced thing to do. Because, I mean, I, I like to say that adults are overgrown versions of kids. You know, <laughs> we, we don't lose our license as, as kids. We still have very similar mannerisms. We just hopefully develop better ways of communicating those things. Um, so whatever skills I develop from working with kids, I've been able to easily apply to working with my lifters and, and athletes that are coming from different athletic backgrounds on their own. Some are dancers, you know, some are also baseball players, you know, rugby, football. Um, athletes so uh, if anything working with kids definitely gave me the edge in terms of finding different ways to communicate cues um, understanding the the emotional wavelength that people go through in various different situations especially for powerlifters who are prepping for meets um, you're gonna you're gonna get the entire plethora uh, of emotional spectrum you know the good moments the uncertainty the fear the you know I'm not sure I really want to do this um, the anxiety for sure um, and learning how to cope with that I think personally as an athlete um, going through those same scenarios that my athletes are currently going through helped me to understand myself as a lifter and also to empathize with their current disposition whatever that might be um, so just years of being able to tailor my coaching skill uh, for different people for different age groups has really really assisted in my own goals as a coach these days um, and I'm just looking to capitalize on that every person that I coach coming through the door yeah and as a, a little bit more background about you around when did you start training at SNS Barbell um, when I returned to New York from college I went to college in Pennsylvania so that was around 2018 I want to say well would have been the would have been late 2017 because I did my first meeting in March so it would have been around November of 2017, so right around Thanksgiving. I went in my little, uh, um, my little corner and then uh, started to break out of my shell once I started to see that people weren't just a, a bunch of mean, tattooed powerlifters. <laughs> my first day, I remember my first day walking into SNS while I heard was just like death metal and people with tattoos just <laughs> grunting with heavy weight on their back. I'm like, yeah, I'm going to take that corner over there. I'm going to do the same thing, but I'm not going to talk to anybody. Cool. Uh, so you're, you're over the two-year mark now at the I gyms. Am. Yeah. And uh, for those that don't know, we've been bringing on more and more coaches over the years for, for Squats and Science. And so Jacob is one of our coaches at Squats and Science at both locations. Um, he does mostly in-person coaching, but he also does some online coaching. So that's why we brought him on here is, is um, use some of the stuff that maybe I'm weaker at, for example, uh, the mental aspect or maybe nutrition, and let's bring in people and discuss those where those are their strengths to give you guys some good info. So that's why we brought Jacob in. A little introduction so you guys can meet him as a coach basically through this podcast and then hear a little bit about some of the stuff where he's uh, knowledgeable in, which is this mental stuff. Um, and so basically how long have you been coaching for Squats and Science now? Uh, so I did some independent coaching under the roof 
without being labeled as a squats and science yeah. coach, but I believe I came on officially last summer. So I think we're coming up on a year really soon. Um, and I gotta say that year went by very quickly. It's gone fast, yeah, and, we, and we've done a lot of things for those of you uh, that keep up with us, uh, you'll see the office hours that the coaches do for in-person. We got coach membership. They train uh, train people at both locations, like I said. Uh, do meet day handling. We did the SNS University, basically mm -hmm. semester one. So Jacob has been teaching some of the classes for that. Um, so a lot of things that we're, we're bringing in and doing things just in the yeah, in less than 12 months. I'm looking forward to the next year. We got a lot of good things planned, just waiting for the right planning and execution here. Yeah, so let's get right into it. And basically the, the first thing a lot of people ask is like, how important really is it? And so we're specifically talking about game day. And so we wanna know from like you, how, how important you think the mental aspect is to game day of just like lifting weights and like displaying your strength. And does it really make a difference based on like your strength level yeah. uh, or like the level of the competition? A hundred percent. I've heard the same question framed with like genetics. How important is genetics? <laughs> and, and while it's not everything, it's a really big chunk of this. You know, the, the any kind of mentality um, is is going to directly correlate with your performance. If you believe that you are going to be successful, uh, there there's a percentage of edge that you have in planning and motivation to do the thing, to prepare for whatever goal that you want to do. Um, so if you want a certain amount of money in the bank, you are going to feel motivated in order to plan for that. You're going to seek out counseling. Um, to help with the finances. Um, in terms of athletics, preparation, you're gonna be going into the gym more. You're gonna be looking online and doing your research. Um, and initially, like for anybody who's starting out with this, you're gonna get a lot of bad information, right? Mm -hmm. um, and what's interesting is that you have full access to information on nutrition, technique, coaching, um, but really vague and not so accessible is direct information to how your mental approach should be um, in terms of training and, and game day. Um, and you'll hear everybody come up with something different, but they're all communi communicating the same thing. You want to be positive, right? Um, you you want to believe in yourself. Um, but those things are just like, they're not superficial. They're just a lot more complicated than people like to give credit to, right? Um, with the exception of like, you know, people who have mental health dispositions that make it significantly harder. I'm sure that's another topic for another day, but that that's part of the equation as well. But 12 weeks out from a meet, you're gonna be absolutely pumped, right? Mm -hmm. Four weeks go by, you know, that volume starts to creep up on you and get a little bit of fatigued, you know, some performance down, downgrading. And then as you start a peak, you're like, oh, I'm working with some very heavy intensities now. I'm practicing my singles. Not every single's feeling great. You know, the confidence is on a wavelength, right? The motivation is also on a wavelength. Yeah. Um, everything is on a wavelength. You know, everybody's like, you know, how do I remain balanced and stuff? And, you know, one thought that I've been having for a couple of weeks is that balance is not the same thing as neutral. There's a constant battle going on. That's what actually creates the balance. So there are going to be some weeks where your performance is going to be awesome. Your sleep's going to be on point. You're going to eat every meal. You're not going to have, you're going to have little to no outside stress. And then that pendulum swings to the other side where all of a sudden the stress at work just went high. You had to pick up some extra hours. You're going through strife with, with your relationships. You might miss a session or two. You might miss a meal. You might lose a couple of hours of sleep. 
it's never perfect. Yeah. And the only time that it's ever been close to perfect for me personally in my training was when I was in college and all I had to do was take a class, <laughs> sleep, and eat as much food as I can. Yeah. Now I'm working like two jobs. Not only am I coaching, I'm working another job. I gotta find time to rush to the gym. I don't have a car. I'm taking the subway one and one hour and a half to the gym to get my training in like an, another hour and a half. Then I have to go and coach. I got my own things going on. Every single person that walks into that gym um, is being tested mentally. Sometimes they don't wanna be there. Sometimes they just wanna move. Um, and you gotta find a new motivation every single day. So this is very much uh, a hands-on thing. In my lifter check-in, I'm asking a lot of mental questions. Like, what is your motivation? Can you come up with some kind of positive affirmation that can keep you in the game? Because we're planning for success when we're coaching people, right? But are we planning for failure, right? Are people ready to embrace that that might be a possibility, that some things aren't necessarily going to go to plan? And I think that's the most important thing, right? Because everybody's thinking about hitting a PR, mm -hmm. but are they thinking about how they're going to handle when things suddenly change? You know, when you don't make that lift, how are you going to feel about yourself? How invested are you? You know, there's a point where it becomes so much of an identity that you know, people tell themselves that they're bad people just because X, Y, Z. Now, it, it's powerlifting. You know, it's it's not the biggest thing in the world, but if it's if it's important to you, then it needs to be healthy. It needs to be balanced. Yeah. You know, so I do think clearly, I do think that the mental aspect is extremely important, not only for the game day, but also for the process. Mm -hmm. That pretty much dictates what's going to happen on game day. Yeah. Um, some of the other questions people have or some things that people struggle with is that maybe in the in the competition on game day their third attempt might be a weight they never tried before in training um, so let's say like in training whatever they do 300 pounds is their heavy single on squat and then in competition they're trying to hit 315 but it's a weight they've never felt before a weight they never stood up with so mentally how would you try and like think the lifter should frame it as far as like attempting something they've never done before my goal is to always make sure they don't they, they don't do one of one of two things or both. They don't panic. Um, panicking has never served me. <laughs> um, but also don't get too excited. And what I mean by that is you can get so overexcited that you drive your 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 feelings to the roof. You're not thinking clearly. Um, you might be ex, you know, expediting too many you know, energy resources prior to the lift that, you could, that might be better served for the lift itself. Um, I think regardless of what is going on in somebody's head, the, the seconds are ticking down, the other lifters are up ahead of you and they're finishing, you're going to end up on that platform. Um, so take a step back, feel yourself in the situation, whatever feelings that you're feeling. Um, assuming that the other attempts went just fine, you know, this is your moment, this is what you worked for. You've done the reps in the gym, you've showed up, you've eaten your meals, everything else is fine. So just go up there and do the thing. Whatever happens, happens. But you best be sure that you're standing up with that bar mm -hmm. or that it's coming off your chest or that it's coming up from the floor to your hip. Just do it. You know, I, I hate to be cliche, you know, <laughs> yeah. Nike says it all the time, but just honestly, don't, don't overthink it. Do the thing, do the thing with the fullest of intent, with the fullest of effort, with every single fiber of your being, 
do it. Mm-hmm. Get it done. Yeah, that, that's good. Um, and going on from that, we'll, we'll uh, go to the other side of things. Of Maybe it's not a third attempt, something they haven't tried before, but let's say it's a first or second attempt. It is a weight they have tried before, but they end up missing it for a certain reason. And it could just be like maybe their technique, maybe they were a little bit loose in the hole. It could mm-hmm. be maybe like they, they jumped a command or something like that. How can they rebound from that and come back and hit that same weight again? You know, it's a situation that I've been in um, from a coach's perspective, uh, having the athlete come back like, what happened there? I think I was tight. I think I, I think I wasn't tight enough. I didn't think I did this right, blah, blah, blah. And they have all these thoughts racing, trying to point the finger at this one singular thing it's a natural human ten, uh, tendency but what they don't realize is that they're actually panicking right in front of me <laughs> <laughs> so I have to bring them down from that level to here and I gotta be like look hey 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 eyes eyes on me look listen I saw what went wrong I want you to just do this thing and I'll give them one thing that they could do better maybe they were descending a little bit slower than they're used to because they're trying to be cautious hmm. so they turn it into a tempo rep and it didn't need to be a tempo rep. Like, look, you can do this. I've seen you do this hundreds of times. Treat it like that. Get it done. Again, maximal intent. Because even though it's your opener, um, assuming that it wasn't slow or yeah. that you know they weren't depleted, um, assuming that it was just you know a little bit too high, just tell them, look, you can handle this weight on a bad day, and today's not a bad day. You know, it's just a matter of just reframing their mind and not even throwing a bunch of technique cues at them because at that point it's pretty useless. You can only make so many adjustments. Right. And by that point, you're just now inducing the overthinking. <laughs> so go back out there. Um, likely we're going to repeat that weight. You know, if it's if it's an opener and I see that they're failing, I'm not, I'm, I'm not, depends on the lifter, but I commonly just have them repeat the weight so that they're comfortable because they're probably fatigued mentally, especially from failing a weight that probably should have been pretty easy. So they're just going to repeat it again and get it right so that we can make the next jump to the next attempt. Yeah, I like to do the same thing, especially if it's a, a, an opening attempt because you haven't gotten a, a good attempt in. And um, to ask the lifter to go up and wait, and like let's say if it's a depth issue, squat deeper, mm-hmm. then it's, it's a compounding stress <laughs> and compounding like like strain because now you have to go deeper which is going to make it harder uh-huh. and you're doing more weight which is harder yep. and you have that 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 back of your mind like oh man i missed my first if i miss it my second mm-hmm. then like i'm pretty much done for now i can't go back down to weight i'm stuck at this weight. i've seen that happen in, in in real life with other coaches and it's just such a paradox it's like hey squat deeper but i'm gonna add weight first <laughs> you know I, I i it's just not it's something that you're kind of playing with because guess what you they missed that one too now you're stuck at that way for for a third with the risk of bombing out of the meat so yeah and and that's kind of like what the statistics show too because i think there's some statistics out there people have looked at on attempts different levels depending if you look at like national level international or, or all of them and if you miss one attempt let's say your opening attempt i think it's something where maybe like 30 percent likely that you will miss one of the other ones second or third and um and it might could be, I believe, if you miss like a, a squat attempt, that is maybe about 30 or 40 percent likely that you also miss a deadlift attempt. And that can be from two factors. It could be one because you're now like gassing yourself out right. by having the whatever the issue is, having to go up and weight or anything like that and maybe go deeper, um, grinding out weights that will tire out your legs. Mm-hmm. And the other thing is now that you're falling behind in total, right. now you have to try and make up the ground right. and deadlift. Um, and then you're maybe more likely to miss that. And then of course, the, the whole point of this 
episode, the mental aspect is you start stressing out and panicking because yep. now you're starting to miss attempts and it kind of compounds on itself and makes things worse. Mm -hmm. And I think, I think a, a heavier weight on the back instantly, once you set up under that bar and you're, and you're picking it off the rack, if you fail your attempt prior to that, that fear is, it's going to be there. It's going to creep on you. So now that feels 10 kilos heavier than what it already is. And mentally, mentally, the weight, um, the weight can feel different when um, you are under some kind of mental stress. You know, so I always try to center my athletes. You know, negotiating openers for the for the past few days prior to this meet coming up, it, it's there. I have a couple of athletes that are just like, you know, I want to open up a little bit heavier. So it's like, but you can hit this weight with no problem. I want you to feel calm. I want you to feel collected. I want you to feel confident. And I want to keep you in the meet. So we're gonna do this, make this jump that puts us in for the goal weight at the third. That's all the opener serves as. It's just a confidence builder. You know, it gives us an idea of what the rest of it's gonna look like. Yeah. Just make it easy, make it attainable, move on. Yeah. Um, moving on a little bit, we'll talk about um, basically how to look at game day if you're someone who's either not competitive or maybe there's um, no one really that you're competing against. It, it can be good and bad because maybe they're like more relaxed, more carefree, um, that like, hey, I'm not worried about what other people are doing or I'm not worried about placing, I'm not at a national championship trying to win, I'm just like a local meet. But the other uh, downside is that maybe they can become too relaxed and too careless um, because they're just like not in focus or something like that. So as a lifter, how do you think they should kind of think about the day or maybe with some tips to kind of keep them in the zone sure. even if they're not in competing even though it is a right. competition i would say personally i've been criticized as an athlete in a light way not in a not in a negative tone but just for being too calm um I, my, my coach put it beautifully uh and he's just like you know you're, you're a lot like me in the sense where i'm just there and i and i deliver in whatever way i need to just with a calm state because i know if i'm too aroused i'm gonna mess something up i've had my moments in in, in the in the gym during training where, where i'd be a little too bonkers but i kind of save it for after the lift um, and that's what i try to tell my athletes now in terms of other competitors not being there you know powerlifting is ironic in the sense that while you are being matched up against other people in the database at the end of the day like there's no interference from those other competitors at least directly right on the football field you got contact coming at you from anywhere that you can't see you know um you know you have in, in the baseball field you have the pitcher on the pitcher's mound trying to s select a pitch to strike you out mm -hmm. um that kind of happens a little bit behind the scenes in terms of attempt selection right putting in fake attempts especially in olympic weightlifting mm -hmm. which is pretty cool but on the platform it's just put your hands on the barbell move it and we're not worried about anything else. At least the athlete is not in a position or shouldn't be in a position to be thinking about the numbers and what they need. We usually leave that up to the coach or handler for the day. Um, and I kind of personally like that because I can think so much less. <laughs> I can be very one in myself about everything that I'm doing. There's no situational awareness other than squat, bench, deadlift, really easy. So I guess one piece of advice that I could give somebody um, you want to be aroused, not to the point where you're drained. You know, go in with an intensity of, I'm going to have a nine for nine day, rather than, I want to be pulled out of this place in a stretcher. <laughs> you know, I've, heard that, I've heard that before. You know, um, PRER, I think it is 
I, while I respect anybody that goes in with that mentality, the, the only judgment I say is I think it's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. Because <laughs> why wouldn't you want to stay in this for as long as possible? Yeah. Right? Yeah. BR or ER? Like, really? You want to pass out after your third attempt? That's ridiculous. I, I, I want to be in the sport for years, you know? And I, and I, I want to learn from every attempt that I'm making. Um, and if I'm just grinding myself out every time, there's no way I'm going to enjoy prepping for a meet, let alone competing in one. Um, so, yes, I, I want you to beat your chest a little bit. Uh, I, I want it to be to the point where we get through the meet, though. You know, I don't hear for, from you from like a week because, you know, you blasted your immune system by being too fatigued and now you need a bunch of, uh, a bunch of time off. Um, but, yeah, I guess that's the only piece of advice. I, I, think, I think I'm trying to be reasonable but not too overly simplistic with it um, because I I talk to my athletes a lot about mental framework you know I want you to imagine um, you being successful on the platform and I want you yes to actually entertain the fears that you have at least for a moment so that they don't pop up with the same intensity on the day of like we're not trying to suppress emotions we're trying to cope with them you know I, I heard it beautifully put you know we have horses every horse is a different emotion what we're learning how to do is to develop mastery over them we're not trying to kill our horses yeah. you can't kill fear <laughs> meat day there's no way uh -huh. it's gonna be there it's just a matter of coping and mastering it and using it to fuel courage to get under that bar and do what you have to do yeah like i know some people that might get like nervous or uh, anxious maybe the day before the meet the day of the meet um and i try to frame it as like that's a good thing because if, if you aren't nervous, that means you're not going to care. You think you already know it all. The person thinks they have all the answers. Absolutely. And, and it's going to come back and mess them up on the temps. They're going to miss a command. They won't be prepared, warmed up in time. Uh, they might not wake up for weigh-ins or something like that. Mm -hmm. But if you are nervous, you're going to make sure you have everything in check. You're going to make sure you have everything packed. you got to make sure you got your alarm marked down. You know what time that you have to get there and everything like that. And you're going to focus on doing your warm-ups properly and everything like that so like having that little bit of fear level uh, nervousness is, is, a, is a positive thing absolutely as, as long as you use it in the correct way it's going to make sure that you're you're checking off all the boxes and you're ready for game day full agreement yeah um you said you're more of a uh, calm lifter and I, I tend to be the same way too every once in a while i might get jacked up for like maybe the final deadlift take some ammonia oh, yeah. and there's not as much of a setup in the deadlift compared to the squam bench with unracking and all and stuff like that but i tend to be more calm too for those people that do get really jacked up for their attempts they have to put the right song on and take <laughs> a lot of ammonia and go out there and yell um do you try and make sure that after they're done with the attempt and they come back they try and like bring that arousal down like as much as possible as fast as possible during yes. that break so they can be ready to push absolutely. it again absolutely i uh i like the whole i like the whole uh headphone trick you know I, i'm taking my headphones from my athlete right before and then once they're done headphones back on you're you're, you're not going to see anything from me on meet day except hand signals or if we need to talk obviously after attempts we'll do that but i say as few words as possible they go back into their reality which is whatever music they're playing, they're going to sit, I handle the rest, we do it again. Um, that has worked for me personally. I love the way it works. My coach barely talked to me on game day <laughs> except in the warm-up room, and I didn't have headphones, so it was very loud at my first nationals. So he was like, listen, I got Bluetooth headphones. Put these on. I was listening, I guess for the day I wanted to listen to jazz music, so I had jazz music playing in my ears, and all he did was just give me the 
the the number of fingers letting me know how many lifters I was out and that was it I was like you know what I kind of want to take this and do that because what else can you say on meet day you've said enough right you've probably had that lifter check in a few days beforehand we have our briefing probably before the session starts let's execute yeah I, I like that I haven't heard that before it's kind of like a uh, like a state of mind like maybe like you uh when you dress a certain way, you feel a certain way, like you feel good if you're wearing a suit or something like that, and you're going for like a job interview or whatever mm -hmm. like that, you feel more confident. So it's kind of the same thing with the headphones. It's like, when you take those headphones on, your, your mentality changes. You're going out there in the platform, you're executing the weight, just like the way you practice, you crush that weight, you come back, you put the headphones back on, then that changes your mind state again. Now you go sit down, relax, calm yourself, and get focused to do that again for the next attempt. Right, it's pretty cool. Um, going Moving on, so we talked about basically the the mindset when you're not competing against anyone but what about when you are competing against someone like let's say it's a national championship it's a world championship everything's on the line as far as world records titles maybe mm -hmm. winning money all that stuff like that um, that can be a lot of stress on, on someone um, during the training cycle the night before like trying to sleep and obviously the day of trying to execute the, the weights um, is there anything like tips or something like that for lifters or ways to think of when everything is on the line so personally, I um, I have yet to be on a world stage. Uh, this will be my second nationals this year. In terms of competing for money, um, I, I guess you know what? Maybe maybe I'm not the best person to talk to about this because even when I went to my meet and there was a thousand dollars on the line, I didn't feel like this this rushing intensity to to want to beat the guy. You know, it's funny. I, I actually lost to uh, Lee Edward, who's uh, I believe a junior ninety three champ. Um, and I wouldn't say I lost, he just, he just beat me out <laughs> and, and it turns out I was handling in that day, which is even funnier. Um, but I mean, when, when somebody's standing on a higher podium than me in that situation, it, it doesn't bother me so much only because I'm looking at the longer term. Yeah. Um, and I don't think for a second I won't be back there, you know, and I, I'm looking at, you know, the social media culture of, you know, like, especially within my own weight class, how many fours people you know chatting back and forth <laughs> yeah it's really weird it's like the UFC except nobody's punching each other in the face <laughs> so it's super underwhelming but um <laughs> you know I'm looking at it from 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 that perspective I'm like you know what I'm gonna be back you know whatever's on the line you know I just want to be my best self that day and everything everything I plan for can go wrong it doesn't you know that, that's the crazy thing about it that's what gets me so excited it's like I can plan so well for this but I'm an athlete because if that plan doesn't go right, I'm a tough mother effer. I'm gonna <laughs> adapt to that situation. Yeah. Let me miss my opener. Okay, I'm gonna hit it again. And I'm, I'm like, I could make my opener my third attempt. I'm gonna grind out. And I'll probably, you know, let's say a situation where I still don't make it. I'm, I still wanna do the whole meet. You know, I, I'm one of those people. I truly believe that, you know, whatever situation comes forward, you just adapt to it and don't worry about the other people. Don't worry about the other people. I'm looking at all these younger 74s. I'm like, that's awesome. Squatting in the sixes, benching in the fours, um, you know, near 700. Some of them already 700 deadlifts. And I'm like, you know, that's still my goal. That's still what I want to do. I'm coming up on those numbers, I think, by the end of this year. Um, and I guess comparing yourself, you know, this is something that I talked about uh, personally and with my own athletes. I think comparison is healthy as long as as you don't see yourself as less than somebody, you know, less valuable. 
or less worth than somebody who has something that you don't have. Yeah. Right. It's just a criteria. You know, when I first entered powerlifting, my buddy had sent me a link to Taylor Latwood's World Records. And when I looked at that, I knew the kind of person I was. I looked at it and I said, so that's the standard. He's like, well, no, he's the champion. I'm like, no, though, that's the standard. <laughs> right. So that's what I have to work for, because I know I'm capable of those numbers someday. It may not be at the same time, although if you look at his age and my age, the progression is pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, it just so happens that people younger than me are doing it sooner. Are getting there. So, you know, so it's like, yeah, well, am I going to quit now? No, absolutely not. Because at the end of the day, I can see myself still lifting if I'm not competing. At USAPL doesn't matter what federation. I loved this before I started competing. So the main competitor was always me. You know, and it's a newer version of me every year. Every year that goes by, I'm just getting older, wiser, learning more. And so I'm looking at the old guy or the, the old version of me, rather the younger version, I'm like, I'm beating you every day. I'm just growing you every day. We're getting better. So it's a it's a personal journey for me every single time. Yeah, th- I think you said a couple good things there that uh, resonated with me. One would be, I see a lot of people that maybe will plan their second attempt based on like, oh, if I miss my third, then I have the second as a backup. And that's kind of the same thing with sometimes with people with competitions. They plan or have the mindset that like, oh man, what if this might be my last competition, so let me hit, hit these numbers or I have to win this championship because I'll never be back again. Right. I might get injured, I might go wherever else, I might retire. Um, so that that planning and mindset of like, oh, let me pick my second based on I'm gonna miss my third or let me pick this competition be so important based on I'm never gonna compete again. Right. It's kind of like the wrong way to look at it. You should be planning and having the mindset for success. Right. You should be planning it on, I am gonna make my third attempt, so I'm gonna pick my first and second based on making this third, and I am gonna compete this competition, and however well I do, it's building towards future years and future comp- uh, world championships where I'm gonna be at. Um, so if I can't win on that day, just because I wasn't strong enough compared to the person next to me, then I'll be back next time mm-hmm. and I'll try and beat him next time. So that, that was the first thing. And the uh, the second thing is a lot of stuff that you're saying here about the mental aspect and whatever the lifter feels when they are in the competition, the, the, if you see yourself feeling nervous and anxious and like see yourself missing attempts and like how bad it feels, it goes for the other lifter too, for your competitor. So the competitor is going through the same thing you're going through. So another way you can look at it, at like a competition where you are competing against someone of a high level uh, championship, every attempt you make, mm-hmm. you're putting the pressure on that other lifter. Yeah. You know what it feels like to be on the other side. So imagine when you make that attempt, you make your third squat, mm-hmm. and they miss their third squat. Imagine the mental state they're in. So yeah. you're kind of putting that that mental warfare on them. Every attempt you make, you're putting more pressure on them to execute. It's funny that you say that. You just triggered a memory for me in my first meet. I'll never forget. I'll never forget my first meet for many reasons. But it was the first time, and I think, I, I don't want to say the only time, but it was the first time um, that... Kevin Tran and I were kind of going head to head in terms of our squat and deadlift. His bench was better than mine at the time. Um, thank you, Jordan Burke, for teaching me how to bench. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but um, yeah, no, I, I realized that you know his, his coach was basing attempts off of me. And I was looking at one of my old videos and he was checking to see what attempts I was making. He, would, he was literally coming up to where the curtain was just to watch me. There was actually a point in the warm-up room where <laughs> I love him for this, but I was taking a warm up and he was standing in not directly in front of me, but like I could see him looking at me <laughs> as I was taking it, just trying to like create this kind of pressure rivalry. So that I think that's my only experience where, you know, I had like a, you know, I had like a little rivalry. Um, 
and you know, I wasn't I wasn't worried about him. I don't think he was really worried about me. But absolutely, absolutely, give pressure to the competition um, in that sense, and also indirectly. You know, when the coaches are picking attempts, hundred percent agree with you there. Cool. Um, I think that's pretty much all the questions that we do have. Is there any other things that you want to mention or anything like that? Any other ideas? Um, I just want to give a shout out to all of my athletes that are competing this weekend at the Squats and Science Championships. I have about four, let me count real quick, four first meters, which is an exciting opportunity. Um, and I'm hoping that, you know, whatever happens that day, that we get as many good lessons from it um, and, you know, bind together on the pursuit for strength, you know, it's just very exciting to be able to help people uh, experience powerlifting for themselves and kind of just mirror those experiences with my own. Um, it's a very, I think, I think you know this personally, it's just a very special and unique position that we have as coaches because we're mentors in, in so many different arenas, not only from a technical perspective, from the mental perspective, but also just from a person perspective, you know, powerlifting brings brings in a lot of amazing personalities. I'm just looking forward to the journey. Yeah, so uh, for those who don't know, we didn't mention at the beginning, but we're recording this on Wednesday before our competition, hoping to put it out on Friday the 13th, right before <laughs> our Squats and Science Championship this weekend. Um, so basically, we have, I believe about 100 people signed up between the two days. Uh, we have the women going on Saturday, the men going on, on Sunday. I have one lifter competing, Rob Sykes, on Sunday. You said you had four. Um, Coach Joe's got about 15 people, so he'll be <laughs> running back and forth upstairs, downstairs, um, getting all these attempts in and warm-ups in. And then Shane will be there with us, another one of our coaches. He'll be helping us out um, in the warm-up room and attempts and all that stuff like that. We got Chris and Nate coming up from Florida as well. So Chris uh, owns part of the gyms and also owns Boynton Barbell and Broward Barbell down in Florida. And Nate makes our inhale for anyone who's tried out our ammonia, our inhale. Nate's the guy who makes them, uh, ships them out for us. He's coming up to spot and load. So we got the whole squats and science crew here for this championship. So it should be a lot of fun. A lot of lifters are coaching. Um, anyone who else is competing can hopefully listen to this podcast on Friday, maybe take something away. Or if you have a competition coming up, we got military nationals coming up we got collegiate nationals be coming up we got sheffield coming up we got mm -hmm. lots of competitions coming up all different levels um so whatever you can take away from this uh we hope that it will be beneficial for you and we're hoping this is just part one we try to keep it mostly to just game day stuff and so we're hoping in the future parts that we'll go maybe more into the training aspect and how to um basically uh frame yourself when you're going into a training session or good weeks bad weeks having to go on vacation or whatever else that might come and be a little bump in your uh, training cycle and then also maybe have some more parts going into um, what coaches can do to prepare the lifter throughout their training cycle on the meet day um, so that you can basically uh, help the lifter be a more mentally strong lifter um, not just in lifting but in, in life as you say a lot of this stuff relates um, so building them up um, since we see it in powerlifting, and we have a lot of people with basically self-confidence issues, self-esteem yeah. issues. Uh, so we're hoping we're going to make this multi-part, uh, basically like a little series and hopefully have Jacob on for all of them and bring us some good info. Um, if anyone wants to follow you, Jacob, how can they follow you? It'll be underscore the Iron Sovereign. Very dramatic. <laughs> very dramatic indeed so and hopefully in the podcast description we'll be able to put his instagram and his email 
and always we have the link to our website so basically if you want to check out jacob's lifting the stuff he posts um, you can look through there and also with the website and our squads and science instagram account you can see our athletes and you can always contact jacob um, if you want to meet up with them at squats and science train with them in person or if you want to do any online coaching we'll have all that info uh, so hope this uh, helps you guys all out and uh, if you would like to see anything in future episodes as always let us know in the comments what kind of topics you want us to discuss or if even if there's any specific questions regarding this mental uh, mental aspect stuff let us know what we can do it in the future parts all right but that is our episode number 14 and we'll be sending you off here with Jacob. Thank you so much for having me. It was a great pleasure. All right, bye.